0: all right good afternoon everybody this is uh thank you for uh watching this is dave everett from ezra Apostille. sorry excuse me sorry this is dave from my house's center sorry i was giving my business introduction um uh, anyway this is actually a late start because we actually had some technical difficulties so we have a very late start uh we're about 45 minutes behind so we're going to just redo this uh teaching we did we got Way into the teaching, and then uh, the technology just froze up on us. So, anyway, um, long story short, we're just going to jump right in. I'm not going to have all my introductions uh, this morning, uh, this afternoon now, and, and so we're just going to jump right into the message. So, I start, I'm starting a brand new teaching series talking that I'm titled Know Jesus with the subtitle Man Make Him Known. And so, anyway, I want to start off this teaching this morning by asking a question. And that is, what's the greatest thing in life? What's the greatest thing in life? Well, the Apostle Paul answers that questions for us in Philippians chapter three, and, he, and we'll begin. That's where we'll begin this morning, and it says, "And yet indeed I also count all things loss, <coughs> for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish." that I may gain Christ. In the King James, we, uh, he instead of the word rubbish, he uses the word done. Uh, which is basically manure. Uh, okay. And so anyway, let me slow down just a moment here. You know, here's Apostle Paul. And we're not talking about Paul before he was born again. We're not talking about Paul as a as Saul, the persecutor of the church. We're talking about Paul and pin these words to the Church of Philippi, and he had already uh, been converted, he had already been a Christian for decades, <coughs> Excuse me. he had already uh, been traveling around the world preaching the gospel, being used by God, when he penned these words to the Church of Philippi, and Paul, uh, he wasn't a loser, in other words, he wasn't a prodigal who was turning away from some sin, an addiction, or some uh, poor lifestyle that he was re- trying to repent from. No, he, this Paul was one of the most educated and the most accomplished people in his time. He was the light of, of the religious class in his day, and he was someone that most people, or a lot of people, looked up to and wanted to be like, and still do today. This is a guy who wrote most, more than half the New Testament. And he said all of his accomplishments, everything that he, anything, all he counted all things, as done, are rubbish compared to the knowledge of Christ. Okay? And so, in other words, this Paul, who wrote more than half the New Testament, still wanted to know, to know, he still wanted to know Jesus more. In other words, he's saying the best life can offer and your, our best accomplishments and our best pursuits, no matter how noble and godly and biblical they may be, are not in, are in comparison to the knowledge of Jesus. Even our best pursuits, even our most noble things we can do, Paul said they are done, are rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. They fall in the same category as done in his book compared to the knowledge of Jesus depending to know knowing Christ because in life it says in John that in him was life and that life was the light of men. Jesus is the way the truth and the life and we'll expand on that a little bit later okay? But Paul, in his letter to Philippi, is also explaining that he has no right. He continues to say, <coughs> excuse me, verse 9, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection of the dead. I'll expand on this verse a lot more in a later session. Uh, but he again expounds on that. He wants to, uh, his highest pursuit. His highest aspiration in life is that he may know him. He might know Jesus. He might know God. And he goes on to say, verse 12, not that I have already attained. He's not saying that he arrived. Or I have already perfected. Or am already perfected. Here's the Apostle Paul. He says, I'm not perfect." But I press on that I lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has made it, laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. The one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There's a goal, there's a prize that Paul is pressing towards. And it's not always the accomplishments in life. And I'm not putting down accomplishments in life, don't hear me wrong, okay? But those accomplishments in comparison to knowing Jesus are, according to the words of Paul, they're done, they're rubbish. And, and this Paul that many of us admire, many of us look up look to, as Paul said himself, follow me as I follow Christ. He said that he hadn't arrived yet; that he was still pressing onward. Again, he wasn't a prodigal. He wasn't someone, uh, uh, you know, trying to escape some type of sin in his life. <coughs> me, but he also said that he hadn't apprehended it yet. He had it. He's not even. You know, he's not perfect. He's not boasting in himself. He's not boasting in his accomplishments. The one thing he's exalting right now is that he is pursuing God. He's pursuing a goal and a prize and the call of God into knowing God, into knowing Jesus. The man again, I said this already, but the man who wrote half of the New Testament still is pursuing knowing Jesus. There is a death, in other words, there's a death of knowing Jesus beyond just being saved. And anyone who knows me, <coughs> excuse me, knows that I'm not minimizing salvation. I just spent a whole year last year talking about such a great salvation. And I teach about salvation a lot in this church and, and a lot through this ministry. And so I'm not downplaying that. But I want to expound on that in just a few moments. But so before I go there, I want to go to a prayer of Paul, Paul's in Ephesians the church of Ephesus, which says for this reason i bow my knees to the father of our lord jesus christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be stretched with might through his spirit and inner man that christ may grow in your hearts through faith that you be rooted and grounded in love paul wants us to be rooted and grounded in love and that's that's what teaching i've taught about that many times and it's probably time to teach that again soon okay about the love of God, me, and he goes on to say, because the with the comma, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints, was the width and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And this is where I want to spend some time with, in addition to what we just read already from Philippians. From, 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 excuse me. So now. In this, in this in these two verses here, in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, and kind of ending with verse 17, that we would be rooted and grounded in this love, that we would have, be rooted and grounded in the, the full dimension, the width, the length, the depth, and the height of God's love. And he expounded that by saying to know the love of Christ, which passes, or the King James would say surpasses, so there's a knowing of the love of Christ that surpasses just intellectual knowledge or the knowing of God. In other words, when we study this first no, because there's two knows here. The first know, if you study on the original language in Greek, and I'm not going to go there this morning, even in the original language in Hebrew, um, this word know, it's, it's the same word that we can uh, we come with the word in, 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 excuse me intimacy. It's the same word that's being used when Mary says, How can this be since I've not known a man? or or how Adam knew Eve, his wife. Okay. It's talking about intimacy. It's talking about experiencing God. It's talking about a relationship with God. And that's what we're going at this morning. Okay? There's a a knowing of the love of Christ, experiencing the love of Christ, having an intimate relationship with the love of Christ that surpasses just knowing about God. And when you have this type of knowing God, this type of knowing Jesus, you will be filled with all the fullness of God. It's this knowing that Paul says he he elevates above any of his accomplishments. any of his his other accomplishments in life, he says they are dumb. They are rubbish compared to knowing and experiencing the love of God. Experiencing God. experience versus just intellectual knowledge. Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had a lot of intellectual knowledge. Okay? And I'm not downplaying that. We're not saying that's negative. We're not saying that's wrong. Okay? But I don't care how much you know the scriptures. I don't care how much you are a theologian. I don't care how much you know about God. If you are not experiencing the fullness of God, experiencing the fullness of God surpasses just knowing about God. Okay. And 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 in some in some ways you can't experience God without having some knowledge of God. Okay. So we're not downplaying that. We're not. Uh, we're not dismissing that. Okay? And so there's an ex- there's a knowing of God. There's a knowing Jesus, which is the title of this series, that surpasses just knowing about God. Okay? And so there's a, there's something that there's a relationship with God. There's a relationship with Jesus, there's a relationship with the Holy Spirit that we can experience on an intimate, real, authentic level that surpasses knowledge, that surpasses theology, that surpasses just intellectual knowing about God. Okay? And we're going to be expounding on that in this series. Okay? And so, in other words, and don't be offended by this, but I don't care how much you know about God, I don't care how much you know the scriptures. I don't care how much, I don't, you, can, you can quote the Bible. But I want you to know, how much do you know Jesus? How much do you know and experience God? What's your relationship with God like? I'm not talking about your religion. I'm not talking about being religious with God. But how much do you know God? How much do you experience a relationship with God? Many of you, some of you, will know about my wife. But there's no one listening to this message who knows my wife the way I know her in an intimate, relational way. None of you have experienced my wife as I have experienced her. The good, the bad, and the ugly. She can say the same about me. Okay, but none of you are going to have a relationship with my wife the way I do. Okay, and that's on that's on a a horizontal level, but on a vertical level between us and God, we can all experience God. And this apostle Paul, who wrote the more than half the New Testament (coughs) that we admire, most of us look up to, said that he wants to know God more. And he considers everything rubbish, dumb, manure, compared to knowing God. There was nothing more important in Paul's life. And we're not talking about someone who wasn't saved yet. We're not even talking about someone who's not a ministry yet. The apostle Paul, his highest pursuit in life, the number one thing in his life was to know God so I don't care how long you've been walking with God. I don't care about all your credentials. I don't care about what you can say you can do this, and you got this, and you have this, and whatnot. whatnot. And I'm not downplaying that, but that means nothing to me compared to you knowing Jesus, and you wanting to know him more. Because if you think that you have arrived, even to the level of Apostle Paul, even if, Paul, uh, even if you were at the level of Apostle Paul, Paul called off his what we call arrived, done, compared to knowing Jesus. So I don't want to know about your done. I don't want to know about all that stuff. And I'm not saying in one sense, I don't applaud it to a certain degree, but that means nothing to me, just like Paul said, compared to your knowledge and not my knowledge, of knowing, I'm talking about this type of knowledge, of God. Knowing Him, experiencing Him, God. How do we know? How do we know if we know God? Because if we know God, if we know the love of Christ, we will be filled with the fullness of God. There's a dimension of the, let me go backwards, there's a dimension of the the width and the length and the depth and the height of God. Excuse me. That we can experience, by which we can experience the fullness of God. Okay, so in other words, let me let's, let's reverse this for a moment. Your lack or my lack of experiencing the fullness of God is the proof or evidence of how much we do or do not know the love of God. In other words, let me rephrase that statement. If you, To the level that you and me are not experiencing the fullness of God is a level that you and I don't know God. We don't know Jesus. The title of this series, the title of this message is Knowing Jesus. And if you're not experiencing the fullness of God, then according to the Word of God, you don't know God to that level. Because the the key that unlocks the fullness of God is knowing Him. I'm not saying you're not experiencing Him His fullness to a point, but now, let's just say a cup of coffee, that cup is on, it, there's only, one, there's only one definition of that coffee cup being full. Whether you call it half full or half empty, there's only one definition. This water, this water bottle, to me, it's not full, but it's as full as it's going to get because it, it, it's still uh, sealed. Okay, that's how much they filled it. Okay? This one that I go and drink some water out of, it's not as full as the other one. This one's full. This one's not full. So I can't say if this is my level of experiencing God, I'm not experiencing the fullness. This is God's fullness. Are you understanding? There's only one definition of full. Full is full. And if you really want to study this out, the Amplified Bible says this is Right now, here in California, because we've had a lot of rain lately, some of our reservoirs are getting full. Some of our reservoirs are actually letting the water out because it's getting too full. <coughs> Excuse me. And they got more rain coming and they don't want it to flood they don't want it to get dangerous. And so they have to hopefully manage some of that flooding. And that might be a bad analogy right now, but Church, people, friends, the reason I'm teaching this is not to get on anyone's case. Is not to boast in how much I know God versus you know God. That's besides the point, and that's, that's foolish talking. I, for myself, I want to know God. I want to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that I may be filled with all the fullness of God. I want you, as Paul prayed to the Church of Ephesus, I want to echo this prayer to you. I want you to be rooted in the ground in God's love, that you may be granted and comprehend with all the saints, with all the saints, not just me, not just you, the full dimension of God's love, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses the knowledge that you May be filled with the fullness of God. And if you're filled, let's take this this up one more notch. Can we? Okay. If you are experiencing the fullness of God, are you with me? If you're experiencing the fullness of God, what does that look like? Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do it exceedingly, abundantly, Above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, to all generations that includes our generation forever and ever. Amen. What does experiencing the fullness of God look like? It looks like him exceedingly abundantly doing all that we ask or imagine according to his power. That's an awesome prayer. That's an awesome promise. Your God, the, the, the God, the fullness of God who's in you, is able to do exceedingly abundantly that we can ever imagine. Are you experiencing... <coughs> excuse me. Are you experiencing God doing exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think on a daily basis? If you're not, then there's something lacking, there's something missing in your knowledge of God, and you knowing are experiencing an intimate relationship with God. And that's not a put-down. That's to echo what Paul said in Philippians, I have not arrived yet, but I press on to know God. If Paul was still wanting to experience this on a deeper level, then you and I should be wanting to experience this on a deeper level. The, one, of the, one of the points I'm trying to make is is that sometimes we get saved and we just stay there. We don't grow. If you just popped out of your mom's womb and you never grew, you, you would be not just a midget, you would be smarter than a midget. We expect you to grow. We expect you to mature. We expect you to experience life. As a Christian, Praise God, you're born again, but we expect you to experience the fullness of God. Am I making sense this morning? Okay? In other words, there's more to the knowing Jesus than just becoming a Christian, becoming born again and saved. I can expound on that, so don't get me wrong. I want you to become a born-again believer. I want you to become a Christian. That's essential. You can't experience any of this until you are born again. You can't experience any of this until, until, until the first step is getting born again. Okay? You can't experience more of God if you haven't even taken the first step yet. So I'm not minimizing that. That is essential. And that's all you experience is being born again. Praise God you're going to heaven and not hell. But the message I'm also preaching this morning is that there's more to knowing Jesus than just avoiding hell. I want you to go to heaven and not hell. But there's more to Christianity. (coughs) There's more to knowing Jesus than just avoiding hell. And that is very important. Okay? Becoming born again is the most important thing that could ever happen even more important than what I'm talking about. Okay? So becoming a believer, becoming born again, becoming a Christian, getting saved is more important than what I'm talking about this morning. But what I'm talking about this morning is that now that you are a believer and you are born again, you can know Jesus, you can experience Jesus and experience the fullness of God. You can't experience any of that until you're born again. But now that you're born again, don't just stop there. Continue to mature, continue to grow, continue to be filled with the fullness of God. How do you get filled with the fullness of God? It's not more knowledge, because knowledge can puff up. Okay? Okay? But it's a different now is experiencing at an intimate level Jesus. You know, I think of the story of Mary and Martha. Martha wanted to serve Jesus. And there's a place for that. But Mary just wanted to sit at his feet and know his love. And Jesus committed her for that. And Jesus rebuked Martha for wanting to take that away from Mary. Okay. What Mary was doing was what Martha was doing was very noble. It was very hospitable. It was very uh, good mannerism. Okay, but to, to deprive what Mary wanted from God, excuse me, Jesus rebuked that. Don't rebuke some. Don't deprive other people from knowing Jesus. That doesn't mean we don't have work to do. That doesn't mean we consider. You know, you know, even as Christians, we need to be faithful at our jobs. We need to be faithful with our families. We need to be faithful in our communities and whatnot. But at the same point in time, there's nothing more important. And all the ministry you can do, and all the serving you can do, and there's a place for that. There's nothing more important than to know God. There's nothing, more, and, and you're not going to be a good minister if you don't have a relationship with God. Your ministry's only going to go so far. And it will show. I can tell you, just by looking at someone and hearing them for a few moments, how much they know the love of God. There's a lot of people, they're really puffed up with their knowledge. And they'll they'll let you know. You know that they have a lot of knowledge. And I'm not despising knowledge. But they have so much of this, that this is surpassing that. And it's it's not the fullness of God, it's religion. It's self-righteousness, and it puffs them up. And so we want to know God. We want to be in the Word. We want to know the Word of God. But we need to know Jesus that surpasses knowledge so we can be filled with the fullness of God. And if I was going to pick which one, if I only had a chance for one, I want the first one. You can be like the disciples that they were unlearned men. You read the book of Acts, they know, they know that the, these apostles were unlearned men. They weren't like Paul. Right? Paul was a learned man. But the other apostles, Peter and whatnot, they were unlearned men. But there was something that of that wisdom and, 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 and a maturity that came with this knowing Jesus and knowing the love of God and being filled with the fullness of God and having the mind of Christ. Okay? And so So there's nothing, there's more to knowing Jesus than just becoming a Christian and avoiding hell. And yet multitudes have received salvation, praise God, but do not know Jesus. I want to say that again, and I don't want you to hear me wrong. There's multiples, multitudes, that they have received salvation, praise God, that's the most important thing. But they don't know Jesus. And I said, and some of you, you're like, what, "What do you mean they don't know? How can they even be saved that they don't know Jesus? They have a knowledge of God, but they don't. They're not experiencing God, or well, they might be experiencing God to a point, but it's not the fullness of God." Okay, and so, how do I know? Because there's no relationship. It's all a knowledge thing. There's no relationship. Anyone who knows us knows that I have a relationship with my wife, Sherry. <coughs> Excuse me. In most circles, it's Dave and Sherry. It just, wherever we go, it's Dave and Sherry. And, and that's just, it, it's, you know, it's never just Dave, it's never just Sherry, it's just Dave and Sherry. There's a relationship. Okay? We do almost everything together. We do church together, we do business together, we do life together. There's a relationship, and it's on multiple levels. Okay? There's a relationship. And I mean, I don't know about you, but even growing up and through the years, sometimes people don't even have to know you that much, but they just know you have a relationship with so and so because you act like them, you talk like them, they're always around them. When you were younger, and some of you are still young, when you meet that special someone in your life, I mean, do you talk about them? You're always with them, and you can't help but talk about them. The love bug just bit, and uh, and, and, and there's no question whether you have a relationship with so and so. But some of you, I could talk to you for hours, for days, for weeks, sometimes months, and Jesus will never come up in the conversation. God will never come up in the conversation. You know, on Facebook especially. I see a lot of people who are talking religion. They're talking about repentance, and I believe in repentance. They're talking about uh, forgiveness, and I believe in forgiveness. And I'm going to touch more on that in just a moment. They'll talk about all these different things. They'll talk about how we shouldn't sin. We shouldn't sin. We shouldn't sin. I agree with that. We shouldn't sin. But nowhere in the conversation are they missing anything about Jesus. They're exalting sin above Jesus. That's not what they intend to do. They're telling people not to sin. But all they're talking about is not sinning. And they never mention the the, the antidote to not sin. And that's Jesus. You cannot teach. Don't sin without preaching Jesus. Temperance is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not a fruit of the flesh. Teaching someone not to sin without them receiving Jesus... Is an oxymoron. You can't have it. The only way that you cannot sin is to first receive Jesus, who enables you to live a holy, godly, righteous life. If you're trying to sin, or if you're trying not to sin without Jesus, then you're telling me you can live godly and holy without Jesus, and that's the spirit of the Antichrist. Okay? I'm all for living holy. I'm all for living Godly. I'm all for repentance. But we're not just turning from sin, we're turning to Jesus. And we need to have Jesus be part of the conversation. We need to exalt and magnify Jesus. I'm all on board with not sinning and living a holy, righteous life, but where we defer on, many times, is How? You want to do it on your own. I want to do it with and only Jesus. I want to know Jesus. Some people, they might be saved, and I'm not the judge of that. But at the same point in time, there's no relationship. It's not... I mean, I can go so many levels with this. But Sherry and I have been ministering for a while. And there's been some circles and some people, they never even heard the concept of a relationship with God. They don't talk about Jesus. They talk about all the things going on in the world. The government did this, the government did that. And I'm not, I'm not happy with the government either on a lot of these things. You know, I have the same complaints as they do on some of these things. I'm all disgusted with some of the, the sins and stuff that are going on in the world, and sometimes even in the church. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not um, trying to sweep any down on some carpet. But I'm here to exalt Jesus. I want to know if you know Jesus. I want to, <coughs> excuse me. I don't want to talk about the junk of the world, or even the junk in some of the churches. I want to talk about Jesus. Okay? And so, I want to know if you know Jesus. And that's the message. See, Jesus, we're talking about knowing the love of Christ. Jesus loves you simply because God is love. 1 John 4.8, 1 John 4.16, God is love. And God, Jesus, God loves you because he's love. Not because you're lovely. In other words, not because you earned his love. You didn't earn his love. Why? You were still a sinner. He died for you. Okay? Okay? So, see, one thing I'm trying to get across is that you would know the love of Christ. You would know the love of your Father versus knowing God as only a hard testament some of you only know God as a you only know God as a hard taskmaster and you don't know his love. You don't and if you don't know his love, you don't know him because he's love. Okay? And if you only see God as a hard taskmaster and you don't know the love of Christ, you're not going to experience the fullness of God. Is that making sense? See, many think because they've been taught that God is the source of their problems. Many think because they've been taught that God is using their problems to teach them something. That's not the knowledge of God and that's not the love of Christ and they're not experiencing the fullness of God because they've been taught that God is the source of their problems. That God is teaching them by Crippling them, or whatever the case may be. You know, it says in James one thirteen, that no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he he himself tempt anyone. God's not gonna give you sickness. God's not gonna God's not gonna teach you through sickness any more than he will teach you through sin. God's not going to go tell you to commit adultery so He can teach you something anymore than He would give you cancer to teach you something. Because He paid for both sin and sickness at the cross. I hate sickness the same way I hate sin. I want you to live a healthy life the same way I want you to live a sinless life. Okay? God is not going to tempt you with evil. He's not going to tempt you with problems. It says in Zephaniah, the Lord is righteous in her midst, <coughs> me, and he will do no unrighteousness. God doesn't do unrighteousness by, tempting you, by teaching you to hard trials. God's not the source of it. Can God teach you through it? Yes. But he's not the source of it. He didn't bring you the sickness. He didn't bring you the trial. He didn't bring this unrighteousness, this evil in your life. He's not the source of that. And to, and to label God and give Him all the blame for that is very is very anti Christ. It's very uh, it's against the testimony of God. Okay, and so that, that 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 the only people who taught you that was man, not the Word of God. You learned that not from you did not learn that from the Spirit of God, from, from, the, from the Father of lies who said that God is the one who would do unrighteousness of evil to teach you something. That's a bunch of junk from the pit of hell. Okay? That's like telling, then God's telling you, go commit adultery or murder to teach you something. It's, it's the same connotation. It's wrong. It's ludicrous. Okay? And so I, I'm against that wholeheartedly. See, m- many people, they don't know God as the Redeemer. They know about God, but they don't realize that Jesus, through his blood, has redeemed you. They might make it maybe quote scripture, and that sounds right to them, but they don't have a relationship with that concept. They don't know him as their righteousness. They don't know. I'm talking about experiencing. I'm talking about relationally. They don't know him as their savior. They don't know them as their redeemer. They don't know him as their healer. They don't know him as their provider. And I can go through all the names of God. They know about God. They, I I need to go back to here. They know about God, but they don't know that man is a redeemer. They don't know him as their healer, their savior. They don't know for God for who He is. They only know what man. The religion has taught them. Okay, so in one sense, they don't know God. And it says in Hosea, let me speed back up, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. And there is an intellectual knowledge So we, we, we need to interpret this word right. We need to be good theologians of the word of God. Because all scriptures profit over doctrine for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that you might be thoroughly equipped for everything that works. So we need we need knowledge. But experiencing God surpasses that. And that's the knowledge I'm talking about this morning. See, Christianity is more than being saved. It's about knowing Jesus. And I preach salvation big. And like I already said, being saved is the most important thing. But Christianity, Christ-anity, Christ-anity, Christianity is more than just salvation. Christianity is knowing Jesus. Christianity is more than obedience. And I'm all about obedience. Christianity is more than just obedience of a hard taskmaster. Christianity is knowing and experiencing God, experiencing Jesus. Christianity is more is more than avoiding hell. Christianity is knowing Jesus. Christianity is more than living holy in the godly life. And I'm all for that. (coughs) Excuse me. And I'll be expounding on that. I want, you need to live a godly life. You need to, living in sin is stupid. And we'll deal with that. But Christianity is more than living holy. Christianity is all about knowing Jesus so that you, you can withhold holy. Christianity is more than being healed. And we talk about being healed a lot in this church. But there's something more than you receiving your healing that's better and that is knowing Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. Christianity is more than provision and prosperity. Excuse me. And we teach a lot about prosperity in this church and provision in this church. But there's something better than prosperity and provision, and that is knowing Jesus. I mean, let me go back to hell for a moment. The worst thing about hell is God's not there. And the best thing about heaven is God is there. And so Christianity can't just be about avoiding hell and going to heaven even though that's true and that is phenomenal and that is worth preaching. That is worth preaching. I'm not saying we can't preach about that. But there's something more important and more valuable than that and that is knowing Jesus. Christianity is more than just a bunch of do's and don'ts. Christianity is knowing Jesus. See, the church has taught and they taught it well that Jesus died to keep us from going to hell. And that is true. Going to heaven and not hell is something more than we deserve. He is our Savior and He is our Lord. Many people have been taught and that Jesus died to keep us from going to hell, and not only is more than we deserve, but it's worth preaching, and it's one of the greatest benefits of our salvation. But there's much more than just avoiding hell. It's the core of Christianity. The core of life is knowing, Knowing Jesus is more than living godly. And I'm all about living godly. I'm all about living holy. I'm gonna be I'm repeating myself and I'm repeating myself on purpose. Jesus did not go to the cross just so you live a godly life. That's one of the benefits, that's one of the fruits of, of Christianity. But Jesus went to the cross so that you could have a relationship with God. And out of that relationship, you live a godly, holy life. If all you did was go to heaven and not hell, and you have no relationship with God, you missed the whole point. If you go through life, and all you did was live a godly life, there's a lot of non-Christians living a very, sometimes, there's some non-Christians living more of a godly life than some Christians are. But if all you ever did in life was live a godly, pious life without knowing Jesus, it's pointless of itself. Okay? If all... See, knowing Jesus is more than repentance. I'm all about repentance. And some of you are going to hear me wrong. Some of you are going to misquote me. I'm all for repentance. Repentance. repentance is more than just turning from sin. It's turning to Jesus. If all I did was turn from sin, but I never turned to Jesus, what did I accomplish? The, The key, the most important part about repentance is not just turning from sin. It's turning to Jesus. And if you turn to Jesus, you're turning from sin. Okay? There's more... Christianity than just going to church and I'm all about going to church and if you know if you know Jesus then my question to you why wouldn't you want to go to church there's nowhere else I want to be more than that church there's nothing I want to do more there's nothing more valuable to me I want to be there anytime I can And I'm like, if you really know Jesus, if you don't want to go to church and you say you know Jesus, I question that. Because you don't know the Jesus I know. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be around his people as often as I can. Now, I get it. Where you have sheep, you're going to have manure. And, And so people are not perfect. Jesus is perfect. The people in the church are not perfect. And whenever you get people together, even Christians, you're going to have some problems at times. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's good. But chances are high that at some point, siblings will fight. Even spiritual siblings will have issues. Why? Because we're not perfect, only he's perfect. And we get in the flesh at times, even in church. But it's more than just going to church religiously, like you're trying to impress God. You don't go to church to impress God. You go to church to hang out with God's kids. You go to church because not only do you need it, you need the the fellowship and you need the teaching from a good pastor, but you also go to church because the church needs you to fellowship with them. If you want to go to church to meet your needs, you're selfish. You only care about yourself. But you go to church also to be light and to be a brother and a sister to so-and-so in the church because they need you. Do you know that your pastor needs fellowship too? Okay, if you're only going to church to get what you can from the pastor, because the pastor's not meeting your needs, why well, ask you? Are you meeting the pastor's needs? If you only go to church because the, if your only criteria for a good church is because the pastor and that church is meeting my needs, but my question to you, how, how are you meeting their needs? Or are you just selfish? Because if you know Jesus, you're not going to be selfish like that. I believe that there's something that we need to... There's some, the, 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 the church needs to be meeting our needs to a certain level. But you also need to be turning that coin around and meeting her needs to a certain level too. It's not a relationship with Sherry and I if I'm only meeting her needs and she's not meeting my needs. Okay? It's, it's a marriage. It's a relationship. It's the same thing in an employee-employer relationship. Is your boss not meeting your needs? Why? are you meeting your boss's needs? In a friendship, well, my friend's not meeting my needs. Why? are you meeting their needs? It's a relationship. In a parent-child relationship, well, my mom and dad are not meeting my needs. Well, are you meeting their needs? I, I, we can go all day with this. But it's a relationship. It's not a 50-50 like in marriage, it's a hundred hundred. Now, I get it. And God, are you meeting his needs? God doesn't meet needs. Well, why do you think he created you? For fellowship. God created you for a relationship. I'm, beginning to get to I'm getting ahead of myself. But God created you for a relationship. You only go to God to, you only go to God for prayer to meet your needs, kind of like a genie in the bottle. But how many of you just go hang out with God with no pretense, with no wish list, with no prayer list, just go hang out with God and hang out with God? That's a relationship. With no preconceived ideas, with no wish list. Okay? No complaining to God. How many of you go hang out with God and you just shut up and you let him talk? I many of you do all the talking when, when, you, when you go to the Lord? We're talking about church. We're talking about knowing Jesus. I want to go real quick to John 3.16. This is our, the key verse, the famous verse that most people know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm going to have to wrap it up here soon. We'll pick it up here next week, but I went longer than I thought I would on some of this. But I'll leave you with this. And we'll pick this up here next week. But God so loved the world. And we're talking about knowing the love of God. That he gave his only begotten son. Who's that? Jesus. That whoever believes in him, who? Jesus. Would not perish but have everlasting life. The goal of Christianity is not not perishing. The goal of Christianity is everlasting life. Okay? And what's everlasting life? Everlasting life is knowing God. The goal of Christianity is everlasting life. And everlasting life is knowing God. If all you did was receive forgiveness for your sins so that you don't perish, that's essential. You need that. That's very important. That's more important than what I'm teaching. But, the goal was not forgiveness. The obstacle was sin. You needed forgiveness of that sin so that you could have Everlasting life. And that everlasting life is a relationship with God and Jesus Christ who he sent. And that's where we're going to pick it up next week when we come back as we're talking about knowing Jesus. Sorry about the interruption. We had a late start because we had some technical difficulties. We actually we had a restart. And so but hopefully this is beneficial so you can see where I'm going with this. There's a lot to talk about because we're talking about knowing Jesus and making him now. I don't care about your theology. I want to know how much do you know Jesus? And whatever you're preaching and teaching on Facebook and other places, that might be true, but if you are teaching that and you're not teaching about Jesus, then I'm like, what are you really teaching? Because um, this is, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer whatever you're going through, whatever you're trying to convey, whatever you're trying to get people to change, Jesus is the answer, not religion. Not themselves. But we're here and this church and everything I'm doing. Why I'm why I, I'm teaching all these messages is I'm here to know Jesus and to make him known. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Amen.